to The Truth In This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and I am excited to welcome my next guest, a creative artist from Brooklyn, New York, who has been a musician and a photographer for many years and is now based in Baltimore. He uses photography, video, and production to tell people's stories through images and is committed to representing them well through his compositions. Uh, his studio, Naked Humans, is located in the historic Mount Vernon area of Baltimore. Please welcome Sam from Naked Humans. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. So, you know, welcoming you on, and I and I and I, and I saw you in person. This is one of those rare things where I didn't meet you online first, and then it's like, hey, you want to be on my podcast? And then, hey, let's get coffee or a beer later. It's kind of the flip. It's like you saw me on stage, being nervous and having all types of like under boob sweat and underarm sweat. On stage at this uh, at the uh, Creative Mornings Baltimore Day a couple of months ago, and um, so we're here now. We're here. This is this is kind of how that's supposed to work, I think. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it used to be the way things worked back uh, in the day. <laughs> what, what, what is it? Two thousand nineteen, right? So again, thank you for joining the podcast. And before we get you know too deep and embedded into the conversation, uh, could you share with us your story? Like, how did you first become interested in photography? And I've read that originally you were a musician. You know, you not you were, but you know, people always are the things that they are, right? But you started off in, in music and, you know, ultimately, how did that shift happen to photography? I know it's a lot to unpack there, but if you will. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm my name is Sam. I'm almost 40 years old, which is really weird to say. Um, but I've been I've been around for quite some time. Uh, first love in the medium of communications and then the medium of storytelling was music. Uh, I very early on knew that I very much wanted to be a musician. And uh, I got picked up by like major label headhunters to be a session drummer for Universal and Sony. And I would be a session drummer for whoever showed up into the studio. They needed yeah. scratch tracks. They needed to figure things out. I would be like the Swiss army knife of different stuff. So yeah. if it was jazz, it was jazz that day. If it was pop, it was pop that day. If it was country, it would be country that day. So a lot of people came in through the studio. I made a lot of quick friends um like people that i never thought i would like rub shoulders with like herbie hancock came in one day nice. and wanted to do a, a, a scratch track uh katie perry when she wasn't katie perry when it was katie hudson came in did a scratch track it was it was it was probably the glory years and i didn't even know they were the glory years back then because i would be like doing my homework for for high school while i was having to do that and then fax it in when faxing was a thing yeah so oh, man. Uh, yeah so um i then um when i used to live in new york uh they were filming john wick Nice. Uh, near near where I lived and I was just like very curious like looking around seeing what was happening they had like the fake name of the movie that they were filming because they didn't they want to keep it under wraps and um I saw a friend that I had seen at a concert venue that usually did sound he was mm -hmm. running the sound for the movie yeah like, oh hey hi what, what you doing he's like oh nothing I'm, like, I'm on my day off like I'm on my day off he's he's working he's like they actually need a couple hands and I know you know, like, at least how to throw a cable. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm in. Like, what, what's up? And that's how I kind of got into the production element. 
and started falling in love inadvertently at storytelling from a camera's perspective, a a filmmaking perspective. And that's when I started getting curious about filmmaking and Mm -hmm. getting curious about cameras and all this other stuff. And I started borrowing cameras from friends that had cameras and I couldn't afford it on a musician, on a musician's salary. So um, I would take out their cameras while they weren't using it, shoot photos, shoot interviews, shoot whatever I could shoot in the little bit of time that I had the camera with me and uh, slowly but surely got my own camera but music was always the main thing. Yeah. Music was always the main thing until I moved to Maryland. When I moved to Baltimore, Maryland, um, I actually moved here to be the creative director of a small business. And then uh, I started shooting on the side and started realizing that I could make a lot more money shooting on the side <laughs> than I was uh, being someone's employee. And I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I can do this. Yeah. Maybe I can do this. And I started shooting on the side, like literally just about anything, commercial work, product photography, portraits, seniors, uh, weddings, like everything. And then I realized that there was this niche thing that I did not know anything about. Mm-hmm. They were like, hey, can you take my boudoir photos? I was like, what? Uh, and they were like, yeah. And I was like, I don't, I don't, it's not computing. And they're like, can you take my nudes? <laughs> I guess. Yeah, sure. Um, And then that snowballed into what Naked Humans has become now. And it's been such a roller coaster ride of a learning and unlearning and relearning Mm -hmm. a lot of things. And it's been, I know it's therapeutic for a lot of my clients. A lot of my clients are have a a ton of stories, which now I actually interview and record because I believe in the power of storytelling. But man, I I did not expect to be the person learning. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. Oftentimes in the service industry, you're giving, but my clients give me so much more in regards to value, the human condition, learning about things. Yeah. Um, because Everybody comes from so many different walks of life, but that's the short, the short uh, answer to. <laughs> no, I dig it. I dig it. And it, and it, kind, of te- story. it kind of teases um, some of the things I'm going to pepper back in as we, we go along. And I, 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 I'll be remiss if I didn't mention I'm close to 40 as well. And uh, that's why I was like, oof, I'll be like, like we're recording this in January. I'll be 38 in two weeks. And I'm like, look, it's like, come on. <laughs> I say it's got to be something different, bro. I'm literally saying it to myself in the mirror when I get up sometimes. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, and and I like being able to, you know, kind of hear that story. And I feel the same way. I, I joke with people on occasion, um, especially doing these interviews, that I'm just stealing. Like you guys think this is an interview. I'm just stealing from you guys to make myself seem more interesting. You know, that's really what it is. It's just me. It's 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 nothing philanthropic about it. It's just me. It's it's gentleman theft. Yep. <laughs> That's what I'm start giving myself with the probably the gentleman thief. <laughs> so in, in talking about some of that sort of inspiration to go into photography early on, like how has it evolved? Like, you know, over like the last 20 years, moving from doing this as a sort of a side, you know, project, side hustle, uh, area of interest to like a business. And, you know, you mentioned some of the gear you were able to act could access to. What are you using now? <laughs> 
So um, <laughs> my very, very first camera was a Nikon D90. Uh, it, for those camera nerds, uh, it was the first <laughs> camera that you could record HD on. Not, mm. not high quality HD. This was for 720. This is 720p. It was the first uh, entry level camera that you can get that, that would record that. And I always got cameras that could, could do both hybrid photo and video. Sure. And then once I felt like there was a cap at what I could do uh, that the camera could not do um i started looking into uh, other cameras and other systems and moving into the canon realm yeah. and i got the canon 5d mark ii which basically in our space in, in the camera space changed everything it changed filmmaking movies like house uh the show house yeah was recorded on the 5d mark ii uh blockbuster movies were recorded on the 5d mark ii so i was just like all right this is where we're going and they had like software that you could download it so you can unlock it it would basically fry the camera if you overused it uh but people were using this camera for everything and now um as soon as sony released their first mirrorless system mm -hmm. back in 2012 13 <laughs> I don't want I don't I don't I don't know I don't remember but I remember being an early adopter and I was in I was in uh I sold everything else um and I dealt with all the headaches that the first generation of Sony's uh kind of dealt with and uh I've been with Sony ever since I know nothing about that term mirrorless so if you will could you like for layman's layperson if yeah, you will yeah. what does mirrorless mean so traditional camera work uh, outside of medium format, which is like, you know, you threw the cloak on top and hit the thing and then the large spoke of flash went off um, when the traditional camera was made, it was made with a mirror inside. So what this mirror would do so that the film on the other side wouldn't overexpose, you would compose the image. Yeah. The mirror would then flip once you hit the shutter button mm -hmm. and that image would then come on and expose onto the film oh okay what technology has allowed us to do now now most manufacturers are going mirrorless is that they take the mirror out and yeah. this allows for a lot of different things uh light is more sensitive so it has immediate exposure into from the lens straight to the sensor um this also allows for cameras to be smaller because you no longer need this mechanical thing to flip over right. Um, so now, uh, most manufacturers, Sony were the first ones in to make uh, mirrorless cameras. Well, thank you. Thank you for it. Because I've, I've been hearing that a couple of times in interviews I've done this week. And I'm like, it just didn't really impress upon me because that's like the the visual is not necessarily my space. If someone's like, yeah, man, they have this lossless audio. That's my lane. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. And definitely. Bit flow, baby. <laughs> right. And as um, I, I think. I have, and this is this is not really related, but it is talking about gear. Um, I I have I try to get my gear as small as possible. So I have uh, I have this PodTrack Pro, and I've had conversations with Zoom US, Zoom Corp, or what have you. And I have like four lavalier mics with me that all can fit in a fanny pack. And I was like, yo, I've gone from having this. I'm still using my Behringer mixer, this thing that takes up half of my desk. But moving to like, what's my mobile setup? Oh, I've got these headphones. I got this smaller mixer, but it's still a mixer. And that's in a backpack. Now it's like my gear's in a fanny pack and I connect earbuds through Bluetooth if I need to, to check the, the, the sounded audio. And it's like, it's just remarkable, like how small it gets. And 
you mentioned the cloak like earlier. I was hoping you were talking about like a cloak that one can throw over themselves. I was recently <laughs> at, at at the Meyerhoff, and it's like we have a cloak room. I was like, I don't know if I belong here. I was like, I don't think I have the. I was like, cloak room. I mean, that is a goal for me though. In 2023, noted podcaster Rob Lee is only going to wear cloaks yeah, to, to, to events. You're going to be the count, count Rob Lee. <laughs> and I mean, shout out to the to the the waffle texture on the sweater there, sir. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. I mean, I just got a dirty Carhartt hoodie on. It's it's that, it's that life. I'm always working on myself. So. You know, you mentioned it earlier, Naked Humans. So tell us about Naked Humans. How did it come about and like, you know, mission? Because it feels like whenever there's a brand, whenever there's a, a business or a thing, there there's some sort of mission that's attached. So talk about that, if you will. And I have several bullet points other there, but I at least want to start there. Yeah, Naked Humans actually started because of COVID. Um, it, it was... Um... <laughs> so prior to COVID, it was heavily fashion, glamour. Um, I really wasn't focused so much on, on boudoir. It wasn't like my, my main industry uh, to go to. But um, during COVID, like everybody else, uh, everybody slowed down yeah. and got to self-reflect, got to do a bunch of things. And when Zoom became a thing and it was going through its beta phases or whatever, you know, we jumped on and tried to see, you know, make sure that people were all right. You know, yeah. here's a link, everybody come in, let's connect. You're still alive, you're good. You need yeah. anything, we'll, we'll, we'll drop off some stuff, whatever. You know, just something to do other than watch another episode of Tiger King, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> nice. Yeah. You, we had these these parties and now I would see these colleagues that I used to work in and in, in the commercial world is very much a revolving door. Like you hear uh, stories of eating disorders and like body dysmorphia and all these other things, but it's never in front of your face. Like you're just trying to sell this garment, trying to sell this yeah. jewelry, trying to sell this thing. You take the picture, it goes to editing, ends up on an ad, whatever. You're not sitting there having a therapy session with people, mm -hmm. but eventually these Zoom spaces became therapeutic for a lot of these people that I now call my friends. Yeah. And they started opening up about this stuff. And now I can no longer turn a blind eye. Now I could no longer not pay attention to it. And I felt like disgusted with myself because I felt like I was part of the problem and I was feeding the monster yeah. of this over edited, over processed, over glamorized uh, Instagram reel, if you will, yeah. of life and the highlights and making skin look like not skin, but this what we what we now consider is normal skin, but it's not. It's very digitized, highly highly processed stuff, and I was like, I don't. I don't think I want to go back to work. I don't think I want to do this anymore. And right. my girl was just like, why don't you just do it your way? And the timing of the phrase, the timing of the conversations, all, all got in there into naked humans. Mm -hmm. And I got a couple of my regular ass friends. We went outside. This is still lockdown, guys. This is still, you can't shoot <laughs> indoors. So like, we're, we're like, just keep walking like and like i'm shouting poses and things from a distance and they're like do we just get naked here i was like yeah there's nobody here <laughs> and and we took these pictures and i started putting them up online and i was when i kid you i kid you not rob like i was scared because this is like if i don't shoot i don't eat so like 
if this isn't well received, will I have a contract again? Will anybody ever want to work with me? Will right. like all these things are there? There's their actual fears, and then the feedback comes in from comments to DMs to actual emails to bookings. Now, the the inquiry shifted from "Hey, I'd like some photos" to a story. Yeah, I've gone through these things in my life and I need to be on top of my mountain now. Um, seeing myself represented in your feed has given me the courage to book with you. And I want to see myself the same way that person saw themselves. <laughs> and it shifted and it became so affirming to me that I was like, this is it. This is what I have to do. And during lockdown, I pulled the trigger on the lease <laughs> when we weren't allowed to to have people in. I was just like, we're going, we're going to build it and they're going to come. <laughs> right. And um, it's, it's been incredible. It's been such an incredible, humble ride, man. Um, like the, the, the sheer background from what, from where I come from, from a yeah. re very religious, hyper religious background where they say that our bodies are temples, but we're made as young kids to believe that our bodies are weapons. Mm. And then seeing everything and everyone kind of be the champion in their own stories yeah. uh, by way of naked humans has been such, such a sigh of relief and such a breath of fresh air. So that's a little bit of that. No, th thank you. That's, that's great. I mean, um, I, I made an effort, um, last year uh what i i'm not i i do this right i'm not the person that's going to say i'm doing this for this reason if you get it you get it if you don't you don't and i had this week of interviews um had one with um the homie um martinez evans and um and um artemisa um and i know i'm messing their names up because i'm always messing names up but i had both of them on and um they both have been in this realm of changing how people view sort of like bodies. Um, so Martinez is what 300 pounds and running and, you know, he's a fat marathoner. He's like over 300 pounds and he runs marathons and he was in this photo shoot and he was like, yo, I'm naked in this joint. Like I'm just out there, you know, just showing myself and showing the, you know, the, the his, his body and normalizing it in a way with all of the quote unquote imperfections. And the, one of the points you, you made earlier, when I see like images, I'm like, yo, there is some, why, why does everyone want a wax figure? Like what is happening? And I have terrible skin. Well, not terrible. I have imperfect skin. And I was like, I can't relate to that. Or if I see a person walking around, it's like, you made out of plastic. Who are you? Are you Barbie? What, what is this? And I want something that's, that's normal. Or even those instances with black and brown folks, why are you changing? Why are they lighter? What, what is going on here? Or it's not properly lit because that's that's a conversation that's come up recently, too, in the last few years, especially, I think, um, a lot of credit goes to the folks with Insecure properly lighting black people. Yep. Because it's like, look, I mean, you got multiple shades. Like, eh, it's not just, not just, you know, these these, these very extreme ends. It's, it's some variance there. And, you know, with um, Artisma, she, she's a plus size model, you know, falling into that lane or what have you and just saying, look, I wanted to model, you know, I wanted to give that a shot and, um, and being very self-aware of it. And I was like, intentionally, I want to do this. I want to put these out and I put them out back to back for that purpose because 
you know, there are so many different stigmas that float around and you see these these different comments because everyone is kind of a jerk on social media or has the uh, capacity to be one. And, you know, it's it's odd. And I always look at um, ESPN body issue, which is not happening anymore, but I always would look at that. And I'm like, all right, Prince Fielder's on there. I was like, all right, I'm taking my shirt off now. Cool, we good. Or uh, Vince Wolford. All right, cool. We're gonna take my shirt off. We we got we out here, my guy. So, um, speak a more speak a bit more on some of the 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 body positivity angles, like in terms of some of the storytelling that goes on there, because we all have stories. I was I was sharing one earlier um, with you know you go to a doctor's thing, you go to a doctor's appointment. It's like you know, you're overweight, bop, bop, bop. It's like, is there a script here? Is that, that's just the same, same thing. Oh, let me guess. I got bad credit as well. All the black eye things, whatever. <laughs> so, you know, talk about more, some of the, the storytelling side of it. Cause I wasn't even aware of that. I was just thinking like, Oh, photography, but now hearing that sort of storytelling element and they kind of go together. Yeah. So talk more about that. Yeah. So, um, in, in terms of who we cater to the, the spectrum is so wide now, yeah. like, have everyone from sex workers to great grandmothers. I have had everybody and every every everyone in between, uh, from single people to couples, throuples, uh, <laughs> the gender spectrum. Like they, them, everybody has come through. I've had clergy come through, government officials come through. Um, just on the human aspect, on yeah. the represented aspect of uh the amount of melanin or the weight uh i've had tall small big small like everything in between and it's been such such a again a, a breath of fresh air because no offense to my white people but the the skinny <laughs> white girl the skinny white girl pandemic in on instagram is real and yeah. when you start introducing and don't get me wrong if you go to my feed right now you'll see a lot of skinny white girls because a lot of them are the client. Yeah. Um, but I never turned down a body. Uh, anybody who wants to come through, like mo oftentimes what I tell people with that, that feel that they don't, they're not res represented on, on my, on my feed, yeah. I tell them, book a session. Like that's, that's all you have to do. Like I'm not, I'm not controlling the feed. You are. Right. Uh, so um, yeah, I've had everybody and everyone in between, um, and you can't make everybody happy. Like some people are just like, why don't you have enough trans people? I was just like, they're in there, but I'm not going to make it. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to make business on uh, profiting off of someone's lifestyle. That's not what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to create a safe space. Yeah, yeah. So everybody can have have room at the table. I don't want to make it a spectator sport and be like, this person's trans. Like there, there's a, there's a spot. And I, I, I felt that that I almost, almost bit my tongue off a second ago. There, there's a, there's a spot where you don't want to be fetishistic. And you know, when some people are like, I'm only going to do this for this month, it should be baked in. It's yeah. naturally there. And as you said, I don't, you don't turn down anybody's. And I, I, I can look at it the same way of who I interview. It's just like, there's intention of when I might put an interview out, but it's very rare that I've turned anyone down. It's, one guy was a dick, but it's very rare that I turn anyone down for an interview. Um, and it's like, all right, cool. But also, you know, there are a lot of people who just don't get back that don't follow up and so on. So it's indicative of who's like coming in. It's like, you know, it's, it's at this point, it's probably for me at least, 
probably about 50% me sourcing guests and 50% of people reaching out through referrals and so on. That's what's making it up. So when I go through that feed and I try to be very mindful of, all right, I can't, can't have like six white dudes in a row. That's just, I got to break this up. I got to, <laughs> just, just a, a white sausage party here. Can't have that going on. And, you know, trying to trying to break that up or what have you, but it's it's about fit. It's about attention. And, and you're right. You know, everybody's got something to say. You can't make every everybody happy, but you have to be very connected to what your intention is, what you what you aspire to do and be be accountable and responsible to yourself. And, you know, ultimately, whoever else you're you're working with, you're working with the team and all of that good stuff. But at the end of the day, you're taking everything that comes along with it, you yeah. know, and um and you, you remember me and, you know, firing squad. I was like, oh, that's a lot of questions I got here today with this, uh, that creative morning. It's like, <laughs> I was like, am I interested? I was like, can we, can we get me off stage? I'd be great. <laughs> Cause I'm a very, I tell people all the time, I was like, I'm a very shy dude. And it's like, no, you're not. I was like, I assure you I am. So let's see. Um, you talked about the, you know, being the the cathartic thing. Do you have like, and be very, if if you will, be very like vague about it, but enough of like, you know, like a story that comes out where, you know, it's almost like this was a period I've always felt unpretty, always felt unworthy or whatever the thing is. And being able to have that sort of bravery through the photography and through the, just, just that whole process, that it was something that was very rewarding for them. Talk, talk about that from the cathartic and the transformative standpoint. Um, so it was, it was actually a gentleman, uh, that stands out to me. Uh, I had more men during COVID actually book than ever. Um, and remember, we don't have, we don't have feelings and all of that stuff. Right, by the way. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so I had homeboy come through and, uh, I would have never known like his story. If you, if you just look at them, they had reached some fitness goals. Cool. So they had body goals and and they they were buff. They were they they looked they looked apart like the gym the gym dude type. Yeah. I was like, dude, good job! Like, <laughs> like you 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 put some work into this. And Your muscles got muscles, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, good job on that. And he's like, yeah. And then he started opening up about where it came from. He was like, I used to be about 350, 400. and I said, what? He's like, yeah. And he's like, um, I, in, in my, in my youth, in, in my childhood, I experienced a lot of sexual trauma. Mm. And one, the only way for me to cope was to put on the weight so people could stay away from my body. Mm. And like, it triggered so much stuff for me, even personally, because yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a survivor of all that stuff too. And just like, damn. And like this whole shoot changed and um, I almost wanted to champion them. It almost felt like I was like pushing them to the top of the mountain. Yeah. I wanted to see them win. And like, as they're disrobing and getting the next shot and getting the next shot, you can like feel it in the room. Like you feel the energy of the room of them finally feeling like they're at the top of the mountain, like they're in control of their own narrative. They're in control of the story now. Um, and it, it was such a satisfying thing to do, um, to be, to be witness, to bear witness to someone winning. Like, yeah. it's like seeing your best friend at the end of the marathon, like rip the the little tape, yeah. like getting through it. And it's just like, yeah, like, like I seen you, I seen you on mile one and you made it to 20. Like, like, 
Yeah. Finally. Um, so that story in particular really, really, really uh it still it still shakes me still to this day because number one, we don't get a lot of men being vulnerable yeah. in this in this industry in regards to their bodies. Um and two, because it, it was so it was so relatable as, as, to me personally. So <laughs> that's one of the stories that kind of stands out to me. Thank thank you for sharing that. Um yeah, it's you're you're right. That uh, you know, we're we we have this thing where we have to be guarded and, you know, it's, it's weakness, it's this, it's that. And it's just like, you know, going back to what I, what I touched on, that's one of the things my girl mentioned. She's like, Oh yeah, you know, you're a big black, you know, 300 pound black guy. You don't have any feelings. I was like, I know. Right. And you know, she's a little brat doll. So she's like, yeah, you know, people care about me, you know, to a, to a degree. Cause she's black. But it's like, Oh yeah. You know, they care about my feelings to, to a point. Whereas yours is like, Ugh, get them out of here. And it, it's a thing. And you, you can't, be vulnerable um but once that happens once you're allowed sort of that that space to do that it's you know there's this growth that comes from that i think where we're not allowing ourselves to feel that's that's the way i always attach it to feeling and i remember talking with my um therapist years and years and years ago and we, we this this mindfulness practice and he was just like feeling makes life worthwhile because I remember I was was talking with him. He's telling me about another, you know, patient, and being being very, you know, vague about it. But tell me about another patient who she asked, "Can you help me not feel anything?" And he's like, "I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't give you that. That's you're you're getting rid of a piece of your humanity if if you're doing that." Because when when he mentioned, I was like, "Is that a thing?" Because I kind of want a little bit of that. If I can just feel less, and you know, being able to do this, right? Um, I it, initially it was just I'm just going to have these interviews with people, ask them about their work, bing bang boom. But as I start to get into it, I'm like, all right, what's the story here? How can I help facilitate them sharing their story? There's something very powerful and very uh, relatable with people sharing their story, and we talk about it so many times that everyone's a creative. Everyone should have the opportunity to do this and do that, but we don't really do that. We don't really walk in that. We 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 do it to a point. Um, case in point, I always joke about. It. I think I joked about it after uh, Creative Mornings. I was like, just wait a year from now, white girls gonna be doing my podcast. Just a little white girl, and she's gonna be doing the photo shoots with you. This is gonna be great. It's gonna be great. But you know, it's like when when some someone asked me, and you're like, um, you don't look like a podcaster. What does that even mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's really really what it is. It's not a bit in there. It's just like you don't look like one. I was like, I don't know what that means. So I got two more real questions here. Um, and then I got some rapid fire questions. I might have a robe question in here now. I think I might have to add a robe question. Uh, so in, in going to it, like, how do you like sort of strike that balance? Because you you hear about it and, you know, people have a lot of, I used to do a, I used to do two, right? Different um, sex ed podcasts. And some of the responses I would get, and it's like, uh, but ultimately the people who were supposed to get it, they understood it. They were like, oh, you know, whereas you see people trying to do that now. And it's like, this is very weird. And you would hear about some of the photography bros that they're not creating the most safe space. And, you know, what I'm getting from, from you in this conversation that you're doing the complete opposite. You're, you're making an environment that fits and that's just... It's, it's just a beautiful situation. How how do you strike sort of that balance when people are like on the fence initially? They hit boudoir and it's like, what you doing, bro? Tell, tell me about that. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, it is not an illusion to me that I am a man in a female-driven industry. Um, and it was a lot of learning and a lot of listening. Yeah. I think the best thing you can do, especially when you're going to be around different people, and this is just not only photography, just like everything else. If if you're the other mm -hmm. walking into a whatever predominant situation, listen, learn, then react. Listen, learn, and then react. Um, and I think for me, that was the biggest thing, uh, was just listening, learning, uh, hearing people's story. Um, I'm very, very keen now, especially, um, about being sensitive to what reading the room, figuring yeah. it out and doing all the stuff and taking the necessary steps too to make people feel comfortable across the, across the entire thing. My girlfriend comes with me to all my shoots, yeah. uh, not only for like, their safety and their comfort, but also mine as well. Um, it's taking these steps to make sure not touching anyone when there's a wardrobe malfunction, yeah. um, so asking them, hey, can you fix that? If you can't reach back there, can my girlfriend help you fix that? You know, mm -hmm. and taking those necessary steps so that people feel comfortable. And outside of that, like everything from our hair and makeup person to the rooms physically, like it's methodically thought out. The color space, the color palette, the music that's playing in the background, uh, the lighting that's in there when you walk inside the room, the smell that's inside the room. Yeah. All of it is in room for comfort because we know at least I put myself in the in the other side of the camera, yeah. so I know what it feels like to be the most vulnerable person in the room. So, um, knowing that that people are trusting you with their vulnerability, create the atmosphere of safety, yeah. and they are open to being vulnerable. And uh, there's a lot of conversations too. Like I get on Zoom calls with them, hear their story because. If I don't know their story, then I don't know what I'm making. Right. Like, again, the spectrum. If the spectrum is sex work and we need to sell images, then we're approaching it differently. If it's mom who's just, you know, been grinding and building a home for the last three years, hasn't put on makeup, hasn't dressed up or felt good in the last three years, then we know how to approach that shoot. Sure. So the more I learn about the person, where they're coming from, um, and the more I share about myself, the easier it is for everybody to collaboratively work together and be comfortable yeah. to actually see the story behind the image. Well, well said, well said. And I, I like that you broke that down and that really puts a very like fine and intentional point on it. Um, and it, the, the closest comparison I have, it, it was funny. Um, I did that shoot for creative mornings and I was talking with Sean who did the shoot and I was like, I don't really take too many pictures. She's like, what? I was like, I don't really take too many pictures. I'm, I'm not, I, I don't have it. And she's like, I don't know. So I, I, and I think about just that added layer of vulnerability. The closest comparison that I have is going to get a massage. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, um, I think of the John Mulaney joke. It's like, yeah, dress to your degree of comfort. He's like, I put on a sweater and a coat over top of the sweater. Because <laughs> he's like, I'm not comfortable. And I, I started thinking of the same thing. So I'm going in there and you know, you're going there for a massage and it's to, I, I carry a lot of tension in my back and in my shoulders. So if I'm going into a situation where I'm not feeling vulnerable, not feeling sort of like safe, the work that they're doing is going to be much harder <laughs> to get that tension out. But going to a place that has sort of this therapeutic, this sort of 
hitting multiple of the senses. It's like, wow, it smells great in here. Wow, that music is amazing. It's is is that whales? Is that, that whales doing a remix or something? You're able to get those those different things that makes you not think about it. And you're just kind of doing it and being in whatever the the act is, and you're more inclined to listen and take direction. So I'm a very stiff and rigid individual physically sometimes. It's like, look, it's a lot to get this to move around. And uh, a person that's doing the, the massage therapist, hey, can you move your arm this way? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's heavy for them to move it. Or I would imagine from a photo shoot perspective, if um, a person is is asked to do something opposed in a certain manner and they're not feeling the most comfortable, you know, that's one response. But if they're feeling super like they're they're feeling like like just open and they're down to do it. It's like, oh, yeah. Can you do this? Yeah. I can, you know, I can go even further. I can stand even further. And that makes for a more collaborative shoot. Yeah. 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 So here's here's the last part um, in, in terms of. Uh, describing the process of like working and, and, and that, that sort of plan. I wanted to go back in that a little bit. Um, what are those steps that are there? I mean, you touched on the, that initial sort of call that you might have and, you know, sort of like, who's the person, what's the story that they're kind of going for in this sort of shoot. What are some of the other things that happen? And um, should I bring a Gucci robe? What are we, what are we talking about here? Louis Vuitton, <laughs> what kind of robe should I be wearing? Because, you know, it's robes and cloaks of 2023. Um, so it, 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 it usually is an inquiry. Um, somebody either DMs me or goes straight through the website and inquires. If they go through the website, it's much easier. They just put the inquiry and they can immediately book a consultation with me and, and schedule their Zoom call. Um, but if they hit me up through the DMs, uh, we have a very brief conversation there and I push them to the website and make sure that they fill everything out. And then we, we talk, we just yeah. chat. We just talk and and I hear where they're coming from and what they want from this shoot. And then I usually let them know if I'm the best fit for them or not the best fit for them. Yeah. Uh, some people just see the images and don't understand the ethos. Yeah. And they're like, but um, could you like retouch this? And I was like, ah, that's where we stop. Um, <laughs> I was like, the whole thing with, with our brand is normalizing normal. Um, if you have stretch marks, we're going to celebrate them. If you, if you have a little in the middle, we're going to celebrate that. Um, you know, it's, it's about celebrating and normalizing normal. Um, granted, if you wake up in the morning and a zit is where it should not be, uh, we were going to take care of that zit. We're, we're going, we're going to remove that guy because that, that guy's not permanent. Um, so. <laughs> But yeah, and and walking them through there and making sure and and making sure that those boundaries and parameters are also there. This is what this is. This is what this is not. This is what you should expect. This is what you should not expect. Because I've also had couples come through thinking that this was a different kind of shoot. And we've had to stop the shoot and and reframe and and talk to people and be like, listen, this is for um, composition only. I get what you're saying. Like, oh, this is what you thought this was. Got it. Got it. Boom. Got it, got Not it. so much. Not so much. Different kind of date night. Different kind of date night. <laughs> so, and th- thank you, thank you for that. This is this has been this has been spectacular. Um, so, in these last moments, uh, I got some rapid fire questions for you. Um, and yeah, don't don't overthink them. They're they're fun questions. You you know how this goes. Uh, so, name two to three qualities you look for like in a stunning image like you know having a photographer you have you having to be a photographer you have an eye you know what you're looking for what are those qualities that you look for in a quote-unquote stunning image one that really gets you uh i chase the light i make sure that there's foreground and that there's background 
Okay. Light, foreground, background. Cats or dogs? Cats. Uh what is one thing you wish you knew when you before when you first started taking taking photos and like starting naked humans? Uh being more vulnerable and understanding the human condition. What was your first job? Ooh, uh barista, Starbucks. Nice. Uh lastly, um name a four-letter word that starts with the letter B. Book. Thank you. That's, that's 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 it. That's it. That's that's the quick quickest rapid fire. Everyone's like, oh, let me think about it for a second. It's like, come on, artists. Come on, artists. Let's <laughs> figure it out. So, in the final moments, um, I want to one thank you for being on this podcast and 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 just coming aboard and being a part of this. And and two, I want to invite and encourage you to tell folks where they can check out you, Naked Humans, all of that good stuff. The floor is yours. Yeah, Naked Humans Online um, is Naked Humans without the vowels. So N-K-D-H-M-N-S dot com. And then we're also that on Instagram. So Instagram.com forward slash N-K-D-H-M-N-S. There you have it, folks. I want to again thank Sam from Naked Humans, and that's without the vowels. Get it right. Um, and, and I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art, culture, and, you know, some boudoir photos in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for them. Oh,